Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, what kind of gamer were you this year? It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including the future of the Kirby and F-Zero franchises. And then on Thursday, we're going to be talking about Donkey Kong Country 3, Dixie Kong's Double Trouble. But in the meantime, Mark, how are you doing? Patrick, I'm doing so good because we're getting to record this show again. Yeah, it's, I mean, look. The, from the listener side, you know, we've been seamless. like light on episodes. Seamless. I mean, except for the two seams of we only put out one episode <laughs> the last two weeks. But uh, we, Mark and I haven't actually recorded these in kind of a while. So it is, look, we're, we're, uh, we're juiced. We're jacked. We're excited. We got the That's, Jock Jam CD ready to right. go. We get knocked down, but we get up again. And it, they're never going to keep us down. That would be on Jock Jams, right? A <laughs> I, I, I guarantee it was. I'm sure that I did like a run in eighth grade to uh, that song. Yeah, wearing like the the like jersey that's on over the shirt that you wore to gym class, right? So that they can tell like who's wearing the jerseys and who's not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Had to, well, everyone had to be sorted. It's all very. <laughs> uh, speaking of none of that, my copy of Sonic Forces. Would you like to borrow it? You can. You can be part of the program that where that is a feature of it, all you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com gmail and uh, give us a mailing address so I can send you my copy of Sonic Forces. Uh-oh. Could it be that you might also get a copy of Untitled Goose Game? It, that, is, that is the uh-oh. And I don't know if it's also. You're not going to get uh, <laughs> Sonic Forces and Untitled Goose Game. You'll get one or the other. You I do mean, not get to decide which. That would really be an uh-oh. Like, that would be a true Oops All Berry situation. That's true. And look, the program is too perfect to encounter uh, berries of any kind. If there are berries in the game when you open it up, uh, something has gone terribly wrong. And as we know, there's nothing wrong with the program. It's perfect. So uh, I don't know what you're experiencing. That's right. Is, so is get on the list to borrow Patrick's copy of Sonic Forces or Untitled Goose Game. Again, can't stress it enough. You don't get to choose. No, absolutely no decisions get to be made there. Um, Mark, we got to make some decisions about what we've been playing. Um, let's, let's, get, let's get into this segment because it's going to be a little bit different uh, than usual. Let's get into what we've been playing. Because uh, Donkey Kong Country 3 is on the Super NES Switch Online, we have, in fact, uh, been playing it, preparing for uh, Thursday's episode. Um, if you have not played DKC3, uh, Dixie Kong's Double Trouble, in the past, uh, you now have an opportunity to. It's just there on your Switch uh, if you subscribe to the online. Um, and if it is a game that you have heard uh, maligned in the past, uh, I would urge you to at least give it a shot. So you have a, a frame of reference for what we are talking about on Thursday. I think, I suspect, 
uh, we're going to have a less negative conversation than uh, other people might anticipate. Yeah, I think you're right. And this is uh, Patrick and I's first time playing through this yes. game. Uh, so it's it's been a lot of fun, and I'm excited to talk about it on Thursday in more detail. Absolutely. Um, Mark, I see that you also wrote down here that you have been playing Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled as it was part of the uh, another like free game that you could try for uh, a little less than a week. Again, if you're subscribed to Nintendo Switch Online, I believe the promotion ends uh, today as, yeah. as we release this episode. Um, but uh, how's, how's your experience with that? Yeah, I actually, I didn't end up playing that much of it because, I, I don't know, did you, did you load it up at all? Yes. Mm-hmm. The, I found the, like, the loading times between levels and between, like, having any, like, doing anything, like, yeah. to be way too long. So I ended up just doing, like, um, a couple of tracks. And I, um, you know, it is well documented on this show that I really only have room in my heart for one kart racer. And it's not Hello Kitty Cruisers. It's um, Mario Kart. And so uh, everything, fairly or unfairly, mostly unfairly, I compare to like Mario Kart. And it's difficult for anything else to win because uh, like Mario Kart's what I'm used to. And so I w- like I don't even know the- anything else I would say about this. Would I don't know Crash Bandicoot. Like the characters don't mean anything to me. I was racing as right. like the buff Crash Bandicoot type character. Um, I- but so the but really like I think I would have played more if the load times weren't so bad, but they were, and so it was just kind of like not worth it. And and it's not just the load times either. It's the game has a lot of sort of just like sort of dressing and story like and I I, I don't know. If there's a, a way around this in like a modern EA game, but there's like a forty two page like user <laughs> that agreement crazy. that you have to Activision. actually page through. In- in in EA's defense, it's oh, yeah, an Activision, Activision game. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, it's just, just atrocious, and you have to like actually page through it twice, <laughs> or like t- there must be two separate agreements, but you wouldn't know because you're not reading them. Yeah, uh, it's forty two pages long, and then yeah, there's like a, a story set up to like here's why everyone's racing, and it's like I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like what what do, what are we talking about? Um, but yeah, I, I I found the actual gameplay experience to be very similar to yours. Or I think um, where I just wanted it to play like Mario Kart, and the fact that it didn't, I was like, "This is so so close to what I want." But like the buttons are just like a little bit different, yeah. And you know the the drifting is a little bit different, and I, I could like, not okay. for the life of me figure out drifting. Like they they yeah. when, it's, when the tracks are loading, that has like the tips, and one of the tips is like how to drift, and I feel like the controls like theoretically the drifting is very similar to mario kart but i could not trigger drifting like i could not trigger boost for the life of me yeah 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 so i mean that's uh, also my experience and then i i tried to like go into the the pause menu to like pull up options or see like what all the buttons did and like i I couldn't find that and it was just like all right I, i i don't know i again maybe it's me maybe it's my failing um, but like, I don't know, I got, I got no room in my heart for, uh, for, for this game. Yeah. Same, same. Um, and then I, I guess, uh, goes without saying, but I'm saying it anyway, I continue to play Hades. I'm still uh, addicted to it. I love it. And I'll, will I ever stop? No, <laughs> I will not. Um, Mark, but we, we thought we would do this fun thing. We would go through our Nintendo switch year in review, the email that Nintendo sends out at the end of every year. 
to shame you, celebrate you for all of the gaming that you have done on your Nintendo Switch during the year. Um, I, Mark, uh, do, were you were you excited to get this email? I know I saw a lot of people like sharing it on like Twitter and uh, stuff and sort of like talking about it. Um, but I I sort of held mine back. I was like. Not knowing that we were going to do it here, but I was just sort of like, this is my this is my private mm-hmm. <laughs> information about my playtime. It's for me and me only. <laughs> I, you know, they did this last year as well. And I think first, like, uh, you know, um, I am excited by it because it's something that we can lord over our European listeners who I do not believe received this email. I think it's only something that like Nintendo of America sends out. Interesting. Um, um, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, <laughs> God right save the queen. Nintendo Cartridge um, Society uh-huh, at uh-huh. gmail.com. At gmail.com. Um, but no, I forgot about this. I remember getting it last year. And I don't... It was last year the first time they did it? It was the first time I remember getting it. Um, yeah, maybe. And, uh, and so but I wasn't expecting to get one this year because I forgot about it. And so it was fun um, to receive it. Also, like some of the stats, I'm like, can this possibly be right? And I'm not sure that it can be. Right. Yes. This is where I land too, is that there's some of this that I am uh, suspicious of, I don't think is 100% accurate, um, but we'll talk about it as we go. So the, the very first thing that it serves up to you is it tells you what kind of player you were this year. Um, and uh, for me, it says that I am a core gamer. I also am a core gamer. Which you they just die. Yeah. Hosts which... of this podcast? <laughs> which they describe as a skilled, experienced gamer who is always up for a challenge. I would say I am frequently not up for a challenge. Do you know how much Animal Crossing I played this year? <laughs> I play basically every game on easy mode if it's available to me. Um, I and I wonder what the other like what some of the other alternatives were. I know I saw like um uh like something like Nintendo Fanatic or something like that where it's like oh you played like a bunch of like Nintendo first party games. Um, so yeah, question mark on this one for sure. All right. Um, so then, then we move into the total hours played and the number of games played. Um, so uh, I, I will share mine first. Uh, I played a total of 711 hours. Whoa. Uh, this year, which is not actually that much more than 2019, where I had 610 hours. So I guess it's 100 more hours. But uh, just like knowing what I know about how much Animal Crossing I played. Um, and how much Hades I played. Um, I'm just, I, I'm uh, floored that it is not more than 100 hours more than, than last year. Wow. So I played nothing close to that. I paid 270 hours in 2020, which, uh, in, which is like 100 hours more than I played in 2019, which was 166 hours. Wow. Wow. Um, I, why, why have I played so much? It's most of it a Tetris 99. It's got to be Tetris 99. Well, I'm curious to know how many games like did you play or at least sample? Because for me, it says that I played 38 games in 2020. And I think like a lot of that must be like games that I played for maybe an hour, a couple hours, but didn't like really dive into, um, which is it's about the same amount that I played in 2019, like a little bit more. So I have quite a few games. It says 54 games, um, and that in 2019, I played 37 games. Um, and so, like, playing a game must just be starting it up, That's right? my guess, yeah. 
Okay. Um, like, so that sort of makes sense that just like by sheer, like just having more games on the switch that like, I just have more games to open up at some point and play for a little bit and then, uh, you know, not, not touch again. Um, so that's interesting. Your most played games by hours. Um, Mark, why don't we do yours first? Yeah, probably not a ton of surprise based on what I've talked about on this show in 2020, but it's, uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons. The Outer Worlds, uh, the SNES Online, um, Paper Mario, the Origami King, and then Super Mario 3D All-Stars was my 2020. Um, So my most played games by hours are as follows. Animal Crossing New Horizons, Hades, Tetris 99, Murder by Numbers is up here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which, did that come out this year? Did that come out in 2020? It did, yeah. It came out in like, uh, right, maybe like March or April. That makes sense. Um, then that I would have uh, just been slowly solving those uh, those puzzles. Um, and then my my fifth one on here is the Super NES Switch Online. So you know, uh, you you and I both playing a, a bunch of those games um, for this show. I'm sure um, c- contributed to that. Um, and then in it, it, by comparison, in 2019, I spent the most time playing um, Tetris 99, Super Mario Maker 2, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Dragon Quest 11 S, Echoes of the Elusive Age Definitive Edition, and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. In 2019, for me, it was Fire Emblem Three Houses, Resident Evil 4, Tetris 99, Super Mario Maker 2, and then Link's Awakening. Very good. Um, okay, then your most active day by hours <laughs> i i don't know mine is march 28th which i guess makes sense for like an- the height of animal crossing mania mine is thursday february 13th <laughs> what is it what was i doing on thursday february 13th living thursday. in living in blissful <laughs> ignorance yeah um and and that's that's the thing that like confuses me about like then there's like a bar graph that kind of breaks down um your most active uh your your monthly activity in hours um and my highest one is january oh interesting i played my switch most in january mine my is by a significant amount mine is in april but it's not like that it's fairly evenly distributed over the year i mean april is is my second highest after january um uh in in january i played 92 hours of games on my switch wow what was i playing what was i playing in january I, yeah i'm trying to it think must of... be murder by numbers <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and then th- there's a couple of ones like at the bottom like uh i played about they say approximately six games that uh had super mario in it me too um and then i think that's pretty much i think that's pretty much it uh yeah then they say like what's next here are other games you might want to play which is not uh, a good uh recommendation system it recommends uh pokemon shield to me um it it would should know that i sort of played pokemon sword (laughs) (laughs) and stopped halfway through so like you know i think i think they should know that i i gave it a shot and i I also have a pokemon game on on, i have let's go pikachu which of course Mm. i played let's go eevee which so, yeah, the algorithm, um, I wouldn't say 100% successful, but uh, I'm not going to look a gift newsletter at the mouth, especially after I said that, uh, like, Europeans, as far as I know, do not receive this. 
All right, Mark, that's what we were playing this week and all last year. Um, let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. So not much is coming out this yes. week, um, early January. There's not a single game on this list that I want to call out, but I see you added something about the Lego Mario sets. So maybe we can talk about that. Yeah, well, and I, I, this is one of those things that, like, we maybe don't need to uh, continue to call out going into the future just because, like, you know, well, the Super Mario Lego sets are um, something that Nintendo is putting out, it doesn't really hit, like, neither of us are going to buy any of these Lego Mario sets. Um, but so maybe just for the last time here, let's shout them out. Um, the, the new sets are there's a Master Your Adventure Make Adventure. Yes, I'll start over. Master Your Adventure Maker set. A Chain Chomp Jungle Encounter, Piranha Plant Puzzling Challenge, and uh, Wiggler's Poison Swamp. Those are all expansion sets. And then there are power-up packs that include the Penguin Super Mario and the Tanuki uh, Mario uh, power-up. Um, weird choices. The Penguin power-up? I guess because it's cute? Because he wears yeah, a little penguin suit? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do... I... I feel like, did we see some of these in the Mario Direct, in the Mario 35 Direct back from, like, August? I can't remember I don't either. Know. Um, well, I don't want to shirk my duties entirely. There's seven titles uh, that are in this list of new releases, so I'll just run through them real quick. On oh, okay. <laughs> on January 6th, Wednesday, um, we're getting Charge Kid, Choice That Matters. At, sorry, Charge Kid, one game, another game, Choice That Matters, and Their Souls Were Eaten. On Thursday, January 7th, we're getting Iris Fall, Sense, a cyberpunk ghost story, Werewolf, the Apocalypse, Heart of the Forest. Uh, that's all one game. And then Stardash. And then on Friday, January 8th, getting Super Moose. And those um, are the new releases. Su Super Moose sounds good. <laughs> Super Moose does sound good. And delicious. All right. <laughs> oh, you like a, like a Super Moose that you eat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, that's the, that's what's coming out this week. Mark, let's close this out. Are we rusty? Do we feel rusty to you? <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So... For the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Um, Mark, you've brought us this wonderful topic. We are talking about the Lord of the Rings movies. Why are we talking about this? I watched the, the theatrical cut of all three movies I watched over our little like hiatus here, and I know that you had watched the extended editions um, with Sarah not that long ago. Uh, yes, sometime, I believe it was, uh, during the pandemic, it might've been before, who even remembers now? Um, but yeah, I, when, when you told me this before we started rolling, I called you a coward for <laughs> watching the theatrical versions, uh, but I understand that's probably all, all you had access to. Um, do you normally, like, when you had been watching them previously, which, which versions were you watching? So I haven't watched them in eight years. At least, like, since moving to L.A. And um, the watching them again was so much fun. It totally, like, reignited my love for them. 
previous to this, the last time I watched them, it was the expanded versions. Um, yeah. But that had been like even like a few years before. So it has probably been like a decade since I've watched any version of these movies. And man, they are so good. See, no, I wonder if I need to go back and uh, rewatch them, uh, rewatch the theatrical cuts. Um, because in watching the extended editions, I was like, oh, yeah, these are long. These are bloated. These get boring. <laughs> um, and some of the more like self-indulgent uh, Peter Jackson-y things um, feel worse, I think, in the extended edition um, than in the theatrical cuts. So I think, you know, I held for and I still hold, you know, that uh, Fellowship of the Ring is the best movie. And then Absolutely. like basically like as it goes on, they get like a little worse. And but this time I was a lot more forgiving of it because like Fellowship is of course going to be the tightest movie because it has the tightest narrative, has the fewest characters, like it's so clear. Yeah. And then like, you know, you're getting to that third, the third movie and like you're introducing like the men of the mountain and you're like, what? Who are, they're dead? What's going on? And you know, there's like so much exposition that has to be like put in there to like it, it, get audiences up to speed as quickly as possible. But I think like, the one thing I really love about these movies that I really appreciated this time was like how hopeful they are. Like, you know, like it's about characters who love yeah. each other and like love, you know, just like want to do good. And that's really nice. And then the other thing that's so fun is that, and I, uh, as I was watching them, I would also like watch some of the behind the scenes features from the movies. And they obviously were very difficult to make, but they everybody seemed like it seemed like a big like family, and I feel like that yeah. shows like on screen. Yeah, I agree with that, and especially shows on screen um, in in Fellowship, right? Because they're like all those actors and characters are together through the the majority of that movie. Um, yeah, that is nice, and like you know that that Sam speech uh, at the end of Two Towers. Uh, there's some good in this world, and it's worth fighting for, Mister Frodo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like all of the, all of that stuff uh, is is very nice and and heartwarming. One of the things that struck me on the on my last viewing was uh, um sort of the definitely like way too late way too late in life realization that like these movies aren't just like standard blockbuster fare like for whatever reason uh when i was watching them when i was younger i was just like yep this is what movies look like this is the language of cinema but they're so specifically peter jackson movies like he shoots in ways that like no one else does um and he's he's got this like schlocky horror movie aesthetic that he's applying to this like high fantasy um in ways that like are maybe kind of ridiculous but also like just sort of cool and how confidently he executes them. Yeah, it's endearing. Um, yes. Because I feel like the movies, for as like, large as they loomed at the time, like were kind of like a scrappy undertaking. And so it mm-hmm. has, I feel like the movies have like an underdog energy that uh, like, is, is really, like for whatever reason, and maybe it's colored again by my like, appreciation of the behind-the-scenes stuff, but I feel like it comes through in the movies themselves. Uh, I can't believe that was timed as as perfectly as it was. We were accompanied <laughs> today by Jim Carrey, Judd Apatow, Spike Jones, and Chris Smith. Ooh. All right, Mark. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a stacked cast for 433. Um, all right, Mark, let's get into the news. 
Patrick, did you own a DSi, a Nintendo DSi? One of the few pieces of Nintendo hardware that I did not own. No. Yeah, I was a, like during the DS era, I bought so many Nintendo DSs. I think I bought like five or six all told. Yeah. And so I definitely owned a Nintendo DSi. Um, one of the big selling points of the DSi was it had the DSi shop, uh, which featured like DSiWare, which were exclusive downloadable games that were only available um, on the DSi. But what I, I, I don't remember if I purchased many. Um, I think I did like dabble with it a little bit because at the time, Nintendo having this like online store on a handheld that you could download Unheard of. originals yeah. like felt really novel. Um, and so I, I think I dabbled with it, but I didn't realize that DSiWare games were still available on the 3DS eShop. That they like the games, like I think all of them, like or most of them, like wow. carried over and were available. Um, but maybe emphasis on were because uh, a few days ago, Twitter users, Twitter user at Come Out Punching noted that DSiWare games released before mid-May 2011, have been deactivated on the 3DS eShop. So they were In- available. You could get these DSiWare games, uh-huh. but then now you aren't. No one knows why. Um, it appears to only be in the U.S. and like that they're still available in Europe and Japan. So maybe it's a glitch. Maybe this is a nothing story. But also, I just didn't know the DSiWare games were available on the 3DS at all. So... I wanted to bring that novel fact up anyways. Um, let me ask you this, and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you remember any of the DSiWare games that um, like you, you played or like had a good time with no, or were so, worth like, any time? Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I, never, I never downloaded, um, you know, like I know like there was a, a Shanty, uh, Shantae game, mm-hmm. the, like the, the, of uh, Pirate's Curse fame. Um, that was exclusive to it, but like I never downloaded anything like that. Uh, do you remember there was like a Capcom, like f- kind of like failed Western IP that came out for like during the PlayStation Three era, and it was like it was like kind of like Rocketeer almost. Like the guy had like a jetpack. I want to say it was like called like Dark Void or something really generic like that. But I oh, my, sure. okay, yeah. my memory is that there was like a DSiWare exclusive like downloadable side scrolling thing. And I think I downloaded that and probably like a couple of puzzle games like Sudoku. Um, but I, I think that was mostly it. Like I definitely did not buy a lot of DSiWare games. Hmm. And that that's a that's a whole corner of like Nintendo's uh output that I don't really know much about um i just kind of uh, take taking a look here at um nintendo dsi or uh, uh dsiware games there was a um a dr mario game dr mario express huh so that that's one <laughs> uh but yeah it, it doesn't really look like uh that that was something that nintendo themselves put too much uh put out too many games um on that platform and this must have been their second storefront because the Switch eShop was available at launch, so that would have been 2006. But the Wii eShop. Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah, the Wii eShop. But so yeah, so this may be a new story. This may not be a new story. But what a time for us to celebrate the discussion of DSiWare and remember that it was a thing because I had totally forgotten about it. I mean, it's it seems like we are just barely remembering <laughs> it, uh, and <laughs> that that seems typical for us. <laughs> 
no, I the, look, I want to get I want to get into it now, but maybe now isn't I, I want to get into it. Now that we're talking about it, I want to get into it at some point. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that they are not just gone from the platform, because uh, now that I'm looking at it, there's some clubhouse games in here. Um, uh, there's uh, some Brain Age games, some Art Academy. Look, this, this seems like something that we need to dig into uh, at, at a more uh, sort of microscopic, detail-oriented level. Um, and hopefully they're not all gone. We will report back on this in the future. Yes, yes. Uh, finally, an opportunity for us to, uh, um, an- it's like another like Billy Mitchell saga where we're able something we're able to follow yes. for a long time. Hopefully, fingers crossed. There's um, a bunch of Game and Watch games in here, huh? <laughs> Speaking of findings from Twitter users uh, at Hey. I'm Heroic, discovered that NPCs in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild are based on an advanced version of the Mi format that's known as Yumi's. Um, there are apparently differences uh, in what like the Yumi support, like you can't, ma- you can't put moles on the characters any longer, or um, there are certain hairstyles that aren't supported. So sorry to those who want to recreate Matt Damon circa Goodwill Hunting when he still had a bunch of moles. That we all seem to forget about, but Matt Damon used to be a really moly person. Um, but they also found that basically any me can be imported into Breath of the Wild, uh, but it's like an involved process. But there's like screenshots of it. It's actually really like a clever use of the technology. Um, that's so interesting, and I wonder why they would do that. Uh, and uh, like, I wonder if that's present in like other Nintendo games, and we're just like you know, mostly blind to it. Uh, but like it, yeah, it's, it, it's cool. Like, it, it, you know, if they already have a face maker, like, yeah, why not? Why not everything just be in that same face making engine? Yeah, totally. Um, and, uh, but you're right. Like, I wonder if like other Nintendo games have like reused that same like base. Um, it, but yeah, it, to me, it just seems like a really creative way to like use, uh, Mies. Mies continue to live, not just buried in like a switch menu somewhere. Um, yeah, the, the, it's, it's funny to get, like, get this information now, um, because I feel like we are so far removed from, like, the me's really meaning anything, mm-hmm. um, or, like, you know, on, on my original Wii, uh, there are so many me's of, cause, you know, I, I was still living, uh, on campus, uh, when that thing came out, so, like, you know, I, it had, like, all of my friends had, had me's on it, my friends, you know, parents had me's on it, uh, and so, like, uh, it, it was like a fully populated world that was like everyone I knew. Um, whereas, like you know, on my Switch now, there's one me because you have to make one, and like <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I actually do. You, do you even have to make one, or do, would you? Maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, don't think you have to. I think like, um, man, I can't even remember the last time. I guess Smash Brothers Ultimate was when I used a me in a game because you, yeah. yeah. Uh, F-Zero GX producer Toshihiro Nagoshi, now known for mostly for the Yakuza series, has expressed interest in returning to the F-Zero franchise if Nintendo were to approach him about it. Um, in, an interview, in an interview with Red Bull France, of all things, Nagoshi said, quote, Hmm, putting aside the odds of it happening, I must admit I have a lot of affection for F-Zero GX. If the opportunity were to present itself, I wouldn't mind. And in that case, I'd like to make it a challenging game. 
I believe that if Nintendo just wants a racing game that is fun and accessible, they already have Mario Kart for that purpose. Um, an interesting quote if uh, it doesn't really mean that much because like he, he, he like double hedges his bets here by being like, mm, the odds of it happening aren't great. And uh, if Nintendo, if the opportunity were to present itself, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> These are my favorite types of quotes. I feel like the same thing yes. happens with um, like superhero casting all the time where like somebody, you know, like asks somebody like, hey, do you want to play? Um, I'm blanking on a, like Cyclops and they're like, sure. If it came up, yeah, I'd totally do that. And it gets plastered on like news sites everywhere. Right. I feel like every other day I'm reading like, uh, Charlie Cox said he'd love to play Daredevil in a new <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man movie. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it up to him? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> but I do think it's an interesting point that, uh, Negoshi brings up that like Nintendo has a fun and accessible racing game, which is Mario Kart. And maybe that's why like we've never we haven't seen any more F Zero uh for the past man, it's probably been like fifteen years at this point. Yeah. I mean yeah, if if not more. Um but I mean like uh I don't know. I, I think like it, it makes sense that and this is just this is in the same episode when I was saying I couldn't play uh, the <laughs> the Crash Bandicoot kart racing game because it was just a little bit different from Mario Kart. But I feel like there's room, right, for a, a uh, racing game with a, a little bit more of, like, a competitive or, like, hardcore edge to it. Um, you and I are, of course, both uh, core gamers, as demonstrated <laughs> by our year-in-review emails. Yeah, undoubtedly. Yeah, I, I feel like with, like, a lot of these Nintendo franchises that have kind of just, like, fallen by the wayside... It's all just like opportunity costs. Like Nintendo is a large company, but it's actually yeah. not like that large. Like, um, as when it comes to like first party developers, and especially with like HD gaming and how much it makes, like how many people and how much effort it takes to make any game. Like these smaller franchises, I I just don't think there's like as much opportunity, like as much time for them to dedicate to all of them. I, I do agree. I agree with that. But I also think that we are in a place right now where there are so many people who are like either newly or re-newly like invested in um, Nintendo sort of generically. And so like the introduction of uh, of a classic Nintendo IP is now suddenly like more relevant that there are more people asking questions about like, you know, like Fire Emblem Three Houses was this big hit. Uh, Animal Crossing was this big hit. Um, and obviously, um, you know, the, the Breath of the Wild and Mario Kart and all that stuff has brought in a, a bunch of people who have been sort of dormant for a while and are just sort of like, oh, these like these are the cool little nuggets from Nintendo past. Like, I think there's just a general excitement around uh, the idea of a Nintendo franchise kind of doesn't matter which one it is. Um, bring back one that like the uh, hardcore dorks can be excited about and like the rest. Uh, you know everyone else would be like oh i'm i'm interested in that yeah that's a great point and also to hedge my own bets a little bit mm. i think um one thing that we have seen with nintendo more recently is like them willing to give these franchises to third parties to kind of like do totally. with what they will and you know nintendo had done stuff like that in the past but i just it feels like that there is more opportunity for that now and so I I wonder if, you, but they're very selective about those 
you know, like who it is that's going to do that. It, it seems like it's mostly people who they already have some sort of relationship with. And so I don't know who it would fit for like them to work on an F-Zero. I guess the answer is always retro, right? <laughs> I mean, or like Sega. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Um, yeah, but I if I were if I were a betting man, which I of course am not, uh, I would not count on a new F Zero game anytime soon. Are you hurting for more information about Monster Hunter Rise? Uh, well, we should expect to get more info about the game sometime this month, as teased in a video released by Monster Hunter developers Ryozo Sujimoto and Yasunori Ichinozi. Um, this video is adorable. It is uh, posted on Capcom's Twitter. Um, there's not really too much uh, new revealed here other than, um, you know, they're saying that there, there is going to be more information about uh, Monster Hunter Rise um, sometime this month that they're going to be releasing. And then they reiterated the, reiterated the release date um, of March 26th for Mon- Monster Hunter Rise and then also mentioned that Monster Hunter Stories 2 is coming out this summer. Um, the uh, video is also, it seems like uh, they were uh, heading out for, you know, the, the New Year's <laughs> holiday. And they're like, guys, we got we to gotta say something. We got to communicate something. And so, like, these two producers, like, stood out in the lobby. One of them's wearing a coat. Like, he's clearly on his way out the door. And they're standing, like, 10 feet apart from each other in a single super wide shot. Uh, and they just say, hey, we these games are still coming out. We're going to have more information about them in January. It's adorably... Uh, amateurish. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very charming. Um, I don't really, it's a, a little bit of a, a weird thing to be like, hey, heads up, there's going to be a video sometime in January. It just, uh, it, it feels like they, they didn't have anything to announce <laughs> in that moment, but yeah. did it anyway. It, uh, weirdly, like, March 26th is not that far away, so for a, no, it's like, really a big release, like, Monster Hunter Rise, um, I feel like, yeah, like the uh, the gears are going to have to start grinding on the hype machine um, to get everybody ready for it. So I, I do think in the next, you know, like six to eight weeks, we're going to hear a ton about this game. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's and there's spo- supposedly a, a demo that's going to be coming out for it, too. So like uh, likely a lot of that information will be coming out ahead of the demo or like right alongside it. Um, I do think it's interesting. Um, uh what was I going to say? I thought it was interesting. <laughs> now I don't even remember it. You're right. I guess I, I was just going to chime in that it is, uh, you, you're right. Uh, March 26th is so soon. Um, just a little over two months away. What does 2021 hold for Kirby and HAL Laboratories? Um, Kirby director Shinya Kamazaki shared a comment with Famitsu regarding his ambitions for 2021. Uh, and Nintendo Everything, the website, translated it. Uh, in the translation, it says, Though I can't talk about our next game yet, HAL actually turned 40 this year, meaning 2020. We're trying to figure out what people want to see from us and what our next challenge should be. There are many things a creator can strive toward, and they're all enjoyable. We'll take that feeling and tackle 2021 head on. Kirby turns 29 in 2021. While some fans enjoy our games and merch, will be hard at work while some fans enjoy our games and merch will be hard at work on the next project and i suspect it'll be done before we know it please look forward to kirby and everything else has to offer hal has to offer in 2021 
Um, another real non-statement um, that uh, we've been working on a Kirby thing, and it'll come out sometime. <laughs> I guess Kirby, like, is in one form or another, we tend to get, like, something Kirby every year. Mm-hmm. But I think we are due for a full-fledged uh, Kirby title. Because I think it's been three years now since uh, Star Allies. Since Star Allies. Yeah, I think that's that's probably about right. But they supported Star Allies for a while, so... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it, it it wouldn't surprise me if this is another, um, you know, kind of Kirby Battle Royale, four Kirbys are beating each other up, or <laughs> four Kirbys are beating up something else. Um, it seems like such a weird application for that character, but uh, it's a, a, a niche that like, he's just sort of settled into. Yeah, Kirby the Brawler. <laughs> In a YouTube video published by Nintendo of America, the company revealed the best-selling indie games uh, in 2020 on Switch in the United States. In, they are in seemingly no particular order. Hades, Streets of Rage 4, Spiritfarer, Moving Out, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Carrion, What the Golf, Sh- uh, Shanty and the Seven Sirens. Shantae, I feel like I never I get Shantae, that right. but I don't. Yeah. I think <laughs> that makes like so much sense. I don't know why I doubt it every time. Super Mega Baseball 3, Super Liminal, The Jackbox, Party Pack 7, Sakuna of Rice and Ruin, Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition, Crosscode, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2, and Neon Abyss. Um, a lot of good or, and or interesting games in there. Uh, and then, of course, Hades, a perfect video game. <laughs> uh, look, I, I'm happy to, see, uh, happy to see Hades featured on any kind of list um, uh, and just have the graphics of that game flashed in my direction uh, makes me smile. But uh, this made me want to like, there were a lot of these games that I expressed some amount of interest in when they came out or as we were leading up to them and just didn't like follow through on like Streets of Rage 4, Spiritfarer, Ori. Um, There are a lot of these games that I want to like really check out and put some time into. Um, And maybe now that we're in this like kind of uh, lull period of, of releases, might be a good time to go back and check some of these out. Yeah, I really like the like the art style of Sakuna of Rice and Ruin, and I I like uh, the impressions that I've read seem to be positive. I I picked up Spirit Fair when it was first released, and I played maybe like an hour or two of it, but I just wasn't like really connecting with it, and I think it was like I just wasn't in the mood for that type of game. Um, I just wasn't ready for that experience. Like I just it wasn't in the mind space for it. And so I, I would need, like to... You didn't need a cute game about death. <laughs> so I, that's, that is one that I would like to return to and like give another shot um, when I'm like kind of like ready for that type of game. Amazon also revealed its top 10 best-selling games of 2020. Uh, there are two lists, one for the US and one for the UK. Um, I'll just run through these real fast. So in the U.S., the number one best-selling game was Animal Crossing New Horizons, followed by Super Mario 3D All-Stars, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Animal Crossing New Horizons. I don't... Oh, the digital version. So number one is the retail version. Number five is the digital oh version. <laughs> uh, Cyberpunk 2077. That's, that's through Amazon. That's people buying the digital version of Animal yeah. Crossing New Horizons through Amazon. Not just through <laughs> the Nintendo Store, but through Amazon. Number six is Cyberpunk 2077, Ring Fit Adventure, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, The Last of Us Part 2, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So Amazon is definitely like Nintendo country 
when uh, the retail and digital versions are outselling games like uh, The Last of Us Part Two. I mean, Age of Calamity outsold The Last of Us Part Two uh, on Amazon. I mean, I I I do wonder how much of um, Nintendo's game sales right now are just digital through their store. Like, it seems like it's got to be a lot, right? Um, oh, but, but I mean, I guess that would be true of of all of these uh, of all of these games, right? Like, especially this year. Um, like, I'm a big Last of Us, like you know, Naughty Dog uh, fan, uh, and I bought uh, Last of Us Part Two um, digitally. Because, uh, like, I'm, what, am I going to go to a store? <laughs> Why do I need a disc? Um, so, I don't know. These uh, Amazon numbers are a, a, a weird metric for, for any of these things. Um, and, like, it, every game platform is so specific. But, like, it is absolutely wild that Animal Crossing New Horizons, uh, retail and digital, appear here as, like, two separate items in the top five. Um, it means it was just a monster uh, success on Amazon. And it's, it's kind of interesting to compare to the UK list, which is not so Nintendo-centric. I'll run through this one. Uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons, FIFA 21 for PS4, Minecraft for Switch, Super Mario 3D All-Stars, FIFA 21 for Xbox One, Just Dance 2021 for Switch, The Last of Us Part Two, Cyberpunk 2077 on the PS4, and then Assassin's Creed Valhalla, on Xbox One and on PS4. But even here, like Just Dance 2021 selling more than The Last of Us Part 2 on uh, Amazon UK. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um I, I wonder No, I don't know. I I I can't make any more uh, generalized statements about <laughs> <laughs> about the the way these games sold based on on these uh on these positions. Yeah, like I I think you're right. I I don't think it really like tells us anything about their performances in general but it's interesting to see the difference in the regions and also just kind of crazy like nintendo's dominance on amazon specifically in like the united states yep modern and also just again who why are people buying (laughs) animal crossing digitally for people on i guess that's probably what it is is the the digital uh, animal crossing is is gifting that's got to be what it is Modder Gizhaza or Gizhaha Gizaha yeah Gizaha has discovered that in Street Fighter Alpha 2 on the Super Nintendo <laughs> secret boss Shin Akuma can actually be unlocked as a playable character in versus mode now mind you this is a game that was originally released on the Super Nintendo so this game has been out for a very long time and seemingly nobody has discovered this um he this person discovered it by like looking at the source code and then realizing that if you followed a certain set of steps, it was possible to unlock Shinikuma as a playable character. Now these are all like Shinikuma means nothing to me. I've never played Street Fighter Alpha 2. So I'm uh, hoping that you can shed a little bit of light on uh, this Patrick. So Shinikuma is, I mean, Shinikuma is one of those like, stupidly redundant character concepts right because akuma is already like the evil version of like ken and ryu he is a a shoto uh warrior um throws hadoukens and dragon punches and stuff but he's like evil he's like a demon of some kind uh but shin akuma um or sometimes uh just called oni um is like the uh the devil version of this already evil character um and there's there's a uh, like a, a history of um, 
all three of those characters, Ken, Ryu, and Akuma, having evil versions of them. There's violent Ken, is what, is what evil Ken is called. And I think evil Ryu is just evil Ryu. Um, but yeah, so here's, here's Shin Akuma. He's like a little bit faster and his fireballs are weirder. <laughs> So here are the steps that you have to take um, in order to unlock him. You have to beat Alpha 2's arcade mode and then receive a new number one high score. Then you enter the initials KAJ when prompted to record the score. Then you head back to the title screen. At this point, you need a second controller. Um, and the player two needs to hold down the L, X, Y, and start buttons all together on the start screen while the first player navigates and selects the versus mode. And then once the character select screen is loaded, either player can pick Shin Akuma by simply holding down start while choosing the character. And then Akuma's gray gi will turn purple at the stage select screen if the code was successful. Uh, Mark, this is also specific. I don't... This feels like a playground rumor. <laughs> this, do you, did you know you can actually play a Shin Akuma in uh, Street Fighter Alpha 2? I don't know about this. Well, speaking... I mean, that brings up a great thing that we haven't talked about for about two weeks at this point, and not to put you on the spot, because I definitely have not put in the effort. But do we know in uh, Super Mario 35 if you can play as Luigi? Uh, no, I don't know. I have. <laughs> okay, I have great. Not, I have not put any more. Effort. All I want to um, know. No, great to hold my feet to the fire on that one though, because I believe I promised <laughs> to figure it out. Yeah. Um, the game is still up there for another uh, two and a half months, so I'm 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 pretty confident that I will forget about it by next week. We're and, all and rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, finally, speedrunning marathon awesome games done quick kicked off on Sunday. Uh, it runs all week through the end of Saturday. It's a fundraiser for Prevent Cancer Foundation. Um, some, um, some upcoming runs of interest in Nintendo fans are today um, at 9 a.m. is a run of Metroid. And then at 1 p.m. Pacific time is Metroid, the original Metroid Prime. On Wednesday, Yoshi's Island is being speedrun at 5 p.m. Skyward Sword at 8.30 p.m. And then uh, at 10.30 p.m., there's a Zelda Wand of Gamelon run if you meet, like, the bonus incentive for it. On Friday, wow. there are lots of games, including Wario Land uh, games in the morning. And then on Saturday, again, lots more. Uh, the t the uh, speedrun ends with starting at, like, 4.45 with, like, a run of Nintendo games, including Link to the Past, Super Mario Brothers 35, speaking of which, Pokemon Blue, and then another bonus game at the end if the incentives are met, uh, speedrun of Ocarina of Time. You should check out the full schedule, donate to the Prevent Cancer Foundation. I look forward to these every year. They're streaming it. Uh, oh, sorry. They're like doing it remotely again. Um, so the streamers are all in their different houses and the commentators as well. Um, I watched a little bit of it today. It's a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to it for the rest of the week. Yeah, I, I love how these things run the gamut too of like, uh, and and you can really get to like learn the specific lingo of like any percent or um lowest possible percent um and you know there are just so many different ways that you can approach these games uh to play them differently uh to totally break them or to not break them at all um it it's really uh fascinating to see like what parameters uh, are just obliterated for some games in which are like held very sacrosanct uh in other or simply cannot be manipulated um in in other games um, so yeah, this, this is super cool. Is is there uh, anything in, in particular that you're excited about from uh, the games you called out? 
Uh, I'd like to see w- Wand of Gamelon run. I don't know that I've ever seen I, like a not. live stream of that. <laughs> no, I like. Uh, I'd be interested in that. I the Skyward Sword ones are always interesting to me to watch them be played with like a Wii mode with Wii Motion Plus. And I'm yeah. uh, I want to check out the Super Mario Brothers 35 one just to see what that is like. Um, like how do you do a speed run of like a that sort of game? Yeah, it doesn't seem possible, right? <laughs> um, I. I, for for anyone who is not familiar with the uh, Legend of Zelda, the Wand of Gamelon, maybe it's not even called the Legend of Zelda, just Zelda, the Wand of Gamelon. Um, it is a Philips CDI game using the Zelda characters, one of, what, three of them that were made? Mm-hmm. Um, and is just notoriously bad and has, uh, like, voice acting and um, is, like, some kind of warped adventure game. Um, that I, I, I've, I don't think I've ever known any individual who's played any of those games. No, I, I never knew anybody who owned a CDI. Um, but if you aren't able to catch them live, don't worry. Like they show up on YouTube shortly after, uh, which is how I end up watching most of them, but it's a lot of fun. If you've never seen it before, uh, definitely check it out. Uh, all right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Mark, it feels good to be back. It does feel good to be back. Seamless, even. <laughs> uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you should share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it when you do that. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8-Bit Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying if they offered me the opportunity to play Daredevil, I would, I would do it. I wouldn't object. Thanks for listening. Ever wanted to hear from the neighbor at 9 Cloverfield Lane? Or what if I told you that Dr. Loomis's worst patient wasn't Michael Myers? I'm Adam Peacock, host of the podcast My Neighbors Are Dead. Join me each week as I talk to the lesser-known characters from your favorite horror films. Each week is an all-new, fully improvised journey into the unknown, featuring friends and luminaries from the worlds of comedy, horror, and beyond. New episodes every Tuesday on Campfire Media. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Campfire.